Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. Well, it's beginning to feel a little bit like Christmas, isn't it? We're in the month of December. The lights are on. The decorations are up. Um, it's even beginning to feel a little bit like Christmas weather-wise. Do you notice it got down in the 40s last week? 40s? It's going to be 85 today, but... I wore a jacket to the office last week. It took me a long time to find that jacket, but I wore it because it was so cool. It was the night before Christmas and all through the house. The AC was on because we live in the South. <laughs> it's not a bad place to be, but it is that time of year again. Christmas music is on the radio. Most of you probably are in the process of decorating your house a little bit for the holiday season. Marriages are being tested as you go through that together. You know, calendars are full. You're trying to decide how you're going to have the time and how you're going to have the energy to make this season as magical as we all want it to be. And there is a word, that, a phrase that you'll hear this time of year, this time between the the madness of Thanksgiving and the, the chaos of Christmas, we have officially entered into the holidays. D-A-Z-E. There's actually a, a Lifetime movie that comes on several times during the holidays season. Uh, there's a song about the holidays. There's a book, Welcome to the Holidays. That phrase, that word, is actually entered into the Urban Dictionary. It's defined this way. The feelings of confusion and excitement that people have between Thanksgiving and Christmas. The blur one feels while shopping for gifts in crowded stores with heavy holiday traffic. And there is even an Instagram page devoted to the holidays. It's entitled, Miserable Men. <laughs> Here's a picture, uh, several pictures that I pulled off that Instagram post. It's just men waiting for their wives in the mall. You feel their pain, don't you guys? Time never moves as slowly as when a man is waiting in the mall. And the problem is you never know how long you're going to wait. There's no way to know. It might be minutes. It might be hours. It could be days. You, you don't know. And it doesn't matter when your wife said she'd be but there, you know, she'd be back. It, it doesn't matter. You just, you don't know. But it's not just us men. And it's not just the shopping and the chaos that causes a daze this time of year. You know, as we come to the close of another year, there are, there are a lot of people who are looking for direction, who are longing for hope. There's a lot of people who get to the end of a year and get into this days, this holidays, and they feel like they have been existing more than living. They feel like they've been surviving and not thriving. Bills have piled up, appliances are breaking down, relationships are strained, your faith seems a little dry, your job seems completely overwhelming. It is just the first of the month and you are already running on empty. And I don't know what you brought with you this morning. 
And we talked about this a little bit last week. We all bring things with us. We all have things going on in our lives. And I don't know what it is you carry with you this morning. Maybe it might be some distraction or disappointment. Kind of an endless, impossible to-do list. Maybe you're feeling lonely this morning. Joy to the world, but you're not finding joy in this holidays. We're all carrying something. This morning, and for the next couple weeks, we are going to talk a little bit about the season of hope that we are in. We don't want this just to be another holidays. We want these to be days of hope. And so for the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about the same thing that the whole world is talking about for the next couple weeks. We're going to talk about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And the fact that God allowed Jesus, sent Jesus to, to empty himself, to come to this world, to be born in a barn in Bethlehem, to live a perfect life, to be an all-sufficient sacrifice, to die on a cross. And that cross never would have happened if the, the barn hadn't happened. And we can find a lot of hope in that. Change our life for eternity. You know, it's, it's easy to step into this season and be so stressed, be, be in such a daze that we don't allow ourselves to even pause and acknowledge the fact that we, that we need hope. You know, sometimes we, we believe Satan's lie that things are never going to get better, things are never going to be different. My circumstance is not just difficult, my circumstance seems impossible. And we start maybe believing that God might not be able, or at least might not be willing to step in and do something. In the Gospel of Luke, we are going to witness God step in and do something. Uh, Dave, he's back with the kids right now, I think. Dave is teaching this great class on Wednesday nights through the Gospel of Luke. Uh, you would really be encouraged and you'd learn something to sit in that class. At least catch it online. It's a really good class. But the book opens, the book of Luke, opens by introducing us to three people. A husband and a wife by the name of Zachariah and Elizabeth and a young girl named Mary who, of course, is going to become the mother of Jesus. And all three of these people find themselves in seemingly impossible situations. And God is going to step in and do something that when these three individuals hear what God is planning on doing, they're shocked. And they're a little bit confused. Because what God is planning on doing with them seems impossible. And yet these three people are about to be introduced, maybe reintroduced, to the God of the impossible. A barren woman becomes pregnant in her old age. A virgin becomes pregnant in her young age. And in Luke chapter 1, we are introduced to a husband and wife by the name of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah is a priest. He, he performs the priestly duties with others there in the temple. And one of the duties that the priest had was to make sure that incense was burning in the temple at all times. Uh, burning incense was very symbolic for the Jewish people. And for the priest, there was a schedule of who would do that. 
And uh, occasionally, they were called to go into a special place in the temple and pray for the people. And this particular day, the text tells us that lots were cast and Zechariah was chosen to go into the temple where the incense was burned and pray for the people alone there in the temple. Uh, scholars tell us that this was probably something that happened maybe once in a lifetime, maybe twice. It was, it was a big deal. It was an honor. And so Zechariah is chosen to go into the temple while the others are outside the temple praying. There was something that Zechariah had prayed about a lot. Zechariah had prayed for a specific thing for a long, long time. Specifically, Zechariah had prayed that he and his wife Elizabeth would be able to have a child. I'm sure they prayed that prayer many, many times, but Elizabeth was barren. In fact, at this point in her life, Elizabeth was an old woman, um, and that had just been their reality for decades. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 9, we find Zechariah offering incense in this special place, but I want to pick up the story in verse 11 of Luke chapter 1. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, appeared to Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. The angel tells Zechariah, Your prayer has been heard. What prayer has been heard? Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will, receive, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. So the angel tells Zechariah, Your prayer has been heard. And I love that phrase. Your prayer has been heard. Because that kind of gives us a glimpse into the heart of God kind of gives us a glimpse into the relational uh, relationship uh, that, that God wants to have, that nature. The fact that God is listening to your prayers. And God hears the desire of your heart. And God hears the longings in your prayers. And Zechariah hears from this angel that, that he and his wife, his elderly, barren wife, are going to have a baby. And I want you to listen to Zechariah's response. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. I love that Zechariah caught himself there, right? I love that he didn't say, I'm an old man, and she's an old lady. He doesn't say that. He's a smart guy. He says, My wife, she's, she's getting up there. You know, she's well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. By the way, one of only two angels that we know the name of. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day of this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. So Gabriel tells Zechariah, since you didn't believe the words that I am speaking... Since you didn't believe they came from God, you're not going to be able to talk. You're not going to be able to speak until this thing happens. 
Now, a couple verses earlier, we learned some things about Zechariah. We learned that Zechariah is a faithful follower of God. In fact, the text calls him blameless. But in this particular moment, he seems to be having some doubt about the, the, the overwhelming thing that's happening here around him. And he seems to be having a little bit of doubt that God is actually going to enter his situation, a situation that, that seems impossible. And he struggles with that, and for good reason. It's been too long. He's too old. His wife is too old. She was barren when she wasn't too old. Now, don't miss the takeaway here. God doesn't like it when we doubt his promise. I don't think God liked it when Zechariah doubted his promise. I don't think he likes it when we doubt his promises. Now, I think he understood Zechariah's hesitation. He gives Zechariah a tremendous amount of grace. And I know that he understands our situation. I know that he gives us a, a tremendous amount of grace. But we serve a God who makes promises and keeps promises. And God has never reneged on a promise. And when God makes a promise, we need to trust him and believe that that promise, whatever he said is going to happen, is going to happen. So Zechariah's question to the angel was, how can I be sure of this? Which is actually not a great translation. Something is lost there in translation. Uh, this statement that Zechariah makes is riddled with doubt. A better translation, and maybe your, maybe your uh, Bible says it this way, I can never be made to believe this. Zechariah tells the angel, I can never be made to believe this. And it was in that moment that he was silenced. And the text tells us that Zechariah then stayed in the temple a long time. Much longer than was usual. So long that the people who were outside the temple became worried about Zechariah. Like, what's going on with Zechariah? He's been there a long time. He should be out by now. When he finally emerges, this voiceless priest has to try to explain somehow, without using words, what happened while he was in the temple. The text says this in verse 22. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. He kept making signs, but he wasn't able to speak. I would have loved to have been there. I would have loved to have seen that. You know, two words. First word, sounds like. Ankle. Angle. Angel. Angel. An angel is pregnant. No, 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 no. Someone is pregnant. Someone's going to be pregnant. And they start guessing, who could it be that's going to be pregnant? And they start throwing out ladies' names. Who could, who's, going to, who's going to get pregnant? No one's guessing Elizabeth. Why in the world would they guess Elizabeth? Now, I don't know how that happened. I don't know how he explained it. I doubt it was that way exactly. But the text says that he explained without using words what went on in the temple. And I'm sure when the people understood what went on inside the temple, they were shocked. And I am positive 
that when Elizabeth heard what went on inside the temple, she was shocked. Which makes me kind of wonder, why did God silence Zechariah for so long? I mean, it's one thing to silence him, but why for so long? Why nine months? That's a long time. And I don't know the answer to that. But I think there are times when God turns our volume down a little bit. I think there are times when, when God silences us somewhat. Silences our influence. Silences our voice. Silences our title. Because he wants us to surrender to him. He wants us to trust him completely. So this morning, I want to take just a, a real quick look at three truths that I think we can uh, kind of use as we think about this story of Zachariah and Elizabeth having a child as we enter this season of hope. And the first one is this. Sometimes it takes a test to bring us to trust. Sometimes we have to go through a test before we really learn to trust. For Zechariah, it's going to be silence. It's going to be silence to bring him to a place of praise. And the ironic thing is what Zechariah originally questioned... The very thing that he said, how can I be made to believe this, is the thing, the, the event that he would talk about for the rest of his life. Don't you know Zechariah talked about what went on in the temple that day for, for the rest of his life? And, and I don't know this morning what might be causing you to have some doubts or a little bit of unbelief. You know, we all go through challenges. We all go through different seasons of... Uh, just hard times. Again, we talked about that last week. We all stand up, you know, when a list of things are talked about that might be difficult. And, and we would never, looking back on those difficult times, we would never look back and say, oh, I remember I, I was hoping I'd have to go through that. You know, I, I was praying that God would lead me into a difficult time, difficult season. We never say that. And yet, on the other end, when we come out of those times, we realize that, that God has been at work while we were going through some hard times. That, that God maybe matured us, allowed us to grow. Maybe we're stronger in our faith than we were before we went through a difficult season. God was at work. Years ago, Max Cato wrote in his book, The Eye of the Storm, a, a story about Chippy the parakeet. And several of you, I'm sure, are familiar with that story. But let me share with you the story of Chippy the parakeet as told by Max Cato. Chippy the parakeet had a very bad day. It began when the bird's owner decided to clean his cage with a vacuum cleaner. She was almost finished when the phone rang, so she turned around to answer it. Before she knew it, Chippy was sucked up into the vacuum cleaner. He was gone. In a panic, she unsnapped the top of the vacuum and ripped open the bag. And there was Chippy, covered in dirt, gasping for air. She carried him to the bathroom, rinsed him off under the cold tap water. Then she realized, you shouldn't rinse a parakeet under cold tap water. So she reached for her hair dryer. Chippy never knew what hit him. And his owner was asked a few days later how he was recovering. Well, she said, he mostly now just sits and stares. 
Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. And maybe that's how you feel. Sucked in, washed up, blown over. You know, you just... The best you can do is sit and stare. You just don't feel like singing anymore. We feel like that parakeet in the story. What else could possibly happen? What else could possibly go wrong? And in those moments, maybe we even feel like we've been, been silenced to a certain degree. Maybe you don't feel like singing. Maybe you don't feel like speaking out. You don't really feel like volunteering. You don't really feel like praying. Seems the best you can do is just sit and stare. You know, when something difficult happens that puts us into a daze, I guess we have two options. We can either decide to live with an endless hope, or we can resign ourselves to a hopeless end. Zachariah and Elizabeth decided to live with an endless hope. Now, all those years that they had prayed for a child, Scripture says that they were living above reproach. That Zachariah was blameless. Maybe that's where you are. You know, you've been faithfully following God for a long time, but the odds just still seem stacked. And you begin to wonder if, if things are ever going to change. If God's ever going to step in and do something. Let me ask you a question. Whatever season of life you're in, you know, things are difficult, things are wonderful, whatever season of life you're in, what is preventing you from being in a place of praise? What's keeping you from being in a place of praise? And I know you're at church and you know, we're, we're all Christians. Maybe the better question is, what's keeping you from being in a deeper place of praise? Because again, we are in a season of hope. Jesus Christ left heaven and was born in a manger. And then he went to a cross. Now he's the right hand of God. And one day he's going to come back and God's going to keep that promise too. We are in a season of hope. Here's a second powerful truth that Zechariah discovered. Waiting usually increases our appreciation. And you parents all know this, especially this time of year. Now, chances are if you have a younger child, there's something, a toy or a present that they really want to get on Christmas. And the truth is, you could give it to them today. You could go out and buy it this week and give it to them. But you're not going to do that, are you? Why? Because lessons are learned through patience. And if they wait, if they're patient till Christmas Day, that anticipation, that longing is going to heighten their appreciation of the gift that they received. You know, the hardest half of wait, uh, the hardest half of wanting is waiting. Arnold Glasso said, "You get the chicken by hatching the egg, not smashing the egg." There are lessons to be learned. There's, there's wisdom to be gained in, in a season of, of waiting. Do you notice in the story of Zechariah, his pivotal moment occurs one day when he just got up and went to work. 
He didn't know something was special about to happen. He got out of bed. He had breakfast. He kissed his wife goodbye. You know, he picked up his lunch, and he went to the temple like he did every day. He didn't know lots were going to be cast, and he was going to be the one in there praying. He didn't know that an angel was going to show up and give him this amazing announcement. He didn't know that he was going to be silenced for nine months. He didn't know any of those things. He just went to work one day like he always did. Kept showing up at work. He kept being there for his wife. He kept trusting God's plan. You know, so many of us, we, we fall into a daze and we wonder why our prayers aren't answered the way we want them to be answered, when we want them to be answered. Has it ever occurred to you that maybe the waiting is part of God's answer to our prayers? Maybe he's not making us wait to answer our prayers. Maybe he is answering our prayer while we are waiting. That's part of his answer. Because God doesn't just give Zechariah and Elizabeth a son. They're the parents of John the Baptist. Uh, this man whose voice was taken away for nine months, his son is going to be the voice of one crying in the wilderness. His son is going to be the one preparing the way for the Messiah. And maybe the most significant aspect of your life isn't something that you do. Maybe the most significant aspect of your life is someone that you raise. Which brings me to my final truth that we learned from Zechariah. What appears to be your greatest setback might be the foundation for your greatest comeback. You know, this man of faith, this man who is blameless, kind of took a step toward doubt when he talk to the angel. Have you ever had God answer a prayer that you'd been praying? And when you get the answer, somehow you come up with a different explanation. Have you ever done that? You know, oh, that job promotion? Yeah, I've been putting in some extra work, you know, some overtime. I've been working hard. I deserve that. My fiance. Yeah, it was just a matter of time until no, she realized what a catch I was. <laughs> my new house, my new car. Yeah, I've been pretty wise with my finances. You know, I've, I've worked hard for those things. But of course, we know that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. And somehow, we forget that uh, all those prayers to God inviting Him into our lives, when He finally comes in and does something, we make it all about us. And so sometimes God silences us. I think he does it sometimes to teach us, and sometimes because he wants us to wait, trying to prepare us for something. The angel silenced Zechariah, but boy, he gave John the Baptist a voice. Never underestimate how God will use the small, seemingly insignificant moments of life. God delights in the impossible. God delights in uh, giving the impossible significance. Now, a little bit later in Luke 1, this same angel is going to have a conversation with Mary. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. 
And of course, Mary very politely points out that she's a virgin, and what this angel is proposing is impossible. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who is said to be barren, is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Amen. Nothing is impossible with God. God had more for Mary. And God had more for Zechariah and for Elizabeth. And God has more for you. you know, we, we want this to be a season of hope. We all want this to be a season of hope, a season of joy, a season of peace. Those things, real hope, real joy, real peace, they're only found in the God of the impossible. And the God of the impossible who does the unthinkable and enters into our lives and enters into our situation. Next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the gift that God sent. And we're going to talk about the God of the impossible being here in the season of hope. I hope you're here for those next few lessons. Uh, but for this morning, I want to close us out with prayer. So would you bow? Father in heaven, would you forgive us when we doubt your plans? When we question your promises, when we say, how in the world is that ever going to happen? Father, would you help us to put our complete trust in you, the God of the impossible? And Father, even when we go through those tough times, may we sense and may we know that you're with us and that you are at work all around us. And may we find hope in your power, in your presence and in your promise. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen. As a church family, if we can serve you, pray with you, for you in any way, we're going to invite you to come to the front here and let us know. Let's go ahead and be standing.